Welcome back to N10 with myself and Joe. We promised you guys that we'd be back in a week, and we're back in less than a week, back in six days uh, to record the podcast. So without further ado, this episode is the Midway Season NHL Awards. So we're going to go through, I think, nine or eight awards through here uh, at the end of the episode, and we're going to see who would win this award at the end of the year, who we think would win at the end of the year. And uh, I think we've got some similar picks. We always have similar picks. We don't really go off the board with these, but if it should be good, I just did it with BLP. So it's very fresh in my mind. And the Midway Awards is something we've always looked forward to, and especially in the midseason where we could actually predict and see what happens and see if it comes true. But I'm uh, pumped to do this one. We got some big news. I think big news this week. We got some trade talks really heightening up for certain players on the market. That would be a shock. Uh, to see them on the move and for what price for that matter, because, you know, time after time, again, Joe, we've seen these GMs overpay for a certain amount of games and you know, whether that's going to be this deadline, we'll see. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. And we're going to, we'll talk about it when we get to the actual like trade rumors that are going on, but the whole trade deadline, like it's still like almost two months away, which feels like way too long. Like, I feel like the NHL needs to move up the trade deadline at least three weeks, like the beginning of March. Um, because like, it, like, like you said, like the rumors are heating up, but like there's still like so many games left to play before the trade deadline. Yeah. There's, there's a lot. And with the Olympics not going um, the NHL players that opens up some time and they already scheduled games in between then. But speaking of the Olympics uh, team can announce their team on believe yesterday and the headliners for that team are as followed. Owen Power, Mason McTavish, uh, Eric Stahl, Jason Demers, Div and Levi are headlining that squad. I was going to add Landon Ferraro just there because, you know, our boy Ray. But um, some young guys, like some young guys, some veteran guys that are pretty good, still can play hockey. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if I would call myself excited to see this tournament, but it's something different because the last tournament they're – wasn't these young guys from junior or college coming up to play and even for the United States for that matter uh, to come and play for the Olympic team. But we're sort of seeing this thing and we're seeing two guys who didn't have their shot at, you know, going far in the world juniors and having their shot on the Olympic team. Yeah. Like there's a, like, I like how they finally added some youth, like you said, from their 2018 team, which is literally like all random 30 year olds and like older that made up the team. Like at least they have some youth in there. I would have liked a bit more. Like, you probably could have got one or two extra players, like, younger, instead of having guys like like Daniel Winnick and, like, David DeHarnay, like, guys, like, in their mid-late 30s, like, on the team. Like, I get, like, their experience, but you already have, like, Eric Stahl. You have Demers. You have Gormley on the back end, who was, like, a bust. Yeah. <laughs> he plays in Europe. <laughs> and then at least they went young in goal. Like, Devin Le- Levi is going to be, like, essentially their starting goalie. and He was amazing last uh, World Junior Tournament like a year ago and he was a seventh round pick from the Florida Panthers so they might have a goalie controversy here if if Levi develops as they want him to because they already have Spencer Knight so that's good for Levi that he got called up obviously power this is like already his third time representing Canada World Juniors Olympics World Championship before he's even played an NHL game which is crazy to me um, so I'm excited to how he he's gonna look as he was amazing to start off that world junior tournament obviously playing against men now is going to be different and then mason mctavish definitely deserves to be there one of the youngest guys probably that's going um to the olympics because he's 18 he's just about to turn 19 i believe and then you have the veteran eric stahl who who was just in the Stanley cup final last uh last summer who's going to be probably be the captain yeah no like i wouldn't use the word exciting for this but you know, sprinkle in a few young guys here, see how they develop, see how they look. It's going to be exciting for them, at least. Uh, don't know who other teams are shaping out to be. I know U.S., I think they might have named their team. I don't know. I'm not really following the Olympics too much, uh, the hockey-wise, but all the other sports I'm down to see, down to watch. But hockey's the one that's going to take me away from it if there's no NHL players. But we'll go to another piece of news. Uh, the All-Star, Jake, Drake Batherson, was injured last night in an incident with goaltender Aaron Dell. Uh, Aaron Dell had a discipline hearing, I believe, this morning uh, to see how long he will be suspended for or what, um, what he would be – it would be fined or how much he would be fined. I, I think it might be a suspension. 
uh, it was a very freak accident. I think the way that it happened was not so the malicious intent. Obviously, there was intent to hit uh, Drake Batherson there from Aradell, but I don't think he meant to injure Drake Batherson. And I think it's an incident where it got worse. Like it was, it was an outcome that wasn't that bad, but the outcome was uh, far worse than what we all expected, which is an ankle injury because he got hit up high in the head, but the ankle ultimately got injured. So he will not be going to the All-Star game, and he's being replaced by his teammate, uh, Brady Kachuk, who is a two-time All-Star now. Um, your thoughts on the whole situation? You probably saw the video after. Yeah, so it was like a weird incident. Um, like, McDell had, had – there's no reason for him to do what he did. He kind of like – he didn't like throw a shoulder, but like he kind of like bodied him. And obviously, what, if you're a player, you're not expecting that from a goalie to do that. Because he was not like he was in his crease. He was like playing the puck behind the net a little bit. He's on the side. But yeah, like you said, the ankle injury. So he gets like basically decked by Dell and goes crashing like legs first into the boards. And that's where the ankle injury happened. And apparently, according to DJ Smith, he's out like it's not like a short term injury. So they haven't diagnosed how long he's out for. Um, that's a big blow for Ottawa, even though like they're awful again this year. But it's more so like. The development of like guys, like guys like Kachuk, Stutzla, Batherson, all their young guys that they have. So you already said Brady Kachuk's gonna replace him at the All Star game because obviously the NHL they gotta keep all representation. So Brady's gonna go. Um, he's probably the best candidate to go. Maybe Shabbat, but he hasn't had a really a great year. Um, but even Josh Norris you could have put to go because he's leading the team with 18 goals. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's the captain. Might as well just send him. But <laughs> the whole incident, I don't know, like how I don't know what the hell's gonna get. Maybe a game because like it was so innocent looking, but the result was a guy out like multiple weeks. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. It's it's an outcome that we didn't want to see, and you know, with a guy Drake Batherson who's so young, he's having a great season. Uh, it's tough to swallow for the Ottawa Senators team, but. Yeah, I don't know. Probably a game or two. It's the NHL. They won't go more than they won't go more than two games for a goaltender. Like you know, the last person we got suspended was Jamie McLennan, and he was suspended indefinitely because he ultimately, I think, retired the next year and didn't even serve out a suspension. <laughs> so whatever Jamie McLennan decides to suit up the pads, he can't because he'll be suspended for the first couple of games. Noodles went out on a high note. He definitely did. I it was was it on Johan Franzen? No. Uh it might have been like Franzen or Holmstrom, one of those guys, I think. Yeah, one of those guys. And he just butt and he just him. suckered someone. Yeah, it was bad. But not a, like that was way worse than the Dell situation. But uh we'll see in the next coming days what Dell gets. Uh the Canucks, they were very busy the last couple of days. They hired a new GM, Patrick Alvin. Uh, Jim Rutherford was up to a lot of things recently. The firing of Travis Green to Bruce Boudreaux coming in, winning streak, losing streak. Demko goes down. Miller goes down. A new GM in town and a new assistant GM in town. I don't know the name. I'm not even going to say. I'm just going to say Emily because I don't really know how to uh, say the last name. I don't want to really butcher it. But lots of moves for this Canucks team. I've been hearing very good things about these two people uh, coming into the organization. And it's a younger, youthful, you know, approach to hockey these two have. That's the only things I know about them. But, yeah, your thoughts, Joe, on these. Yeah, like, it's kind of similar to what Montreal is doing. Like, they have a guy, Jim Rutherford, kind of president of hockey ops, kind of orchestrating all these new changes in the organization. The coach, obviously, and Boudreaux. Obviously, he's not a long-term solution because he's, like, old. But it's more to kind of just write the ship for this year, but then kind of plan for the next couple of years as well. Like Patrick Alvin, I'll be honest, I have no idea anything about them. I know like there was some other higher um, what's it called? Not- notoriety candidates that they hired, that they interviewed, like Matthew Darsh again from Tampa was a, one of the front runners again. But they got Patrick Alvin. I don't know, again, I don't know anything that he does, but like, I don't want to butcher her name, but I'm going to try to say it. Emile Cossigny, I think that's how you say her name. She's the first assistant GM in NHL history, I believe. I'm definitely in Canucks history. I believe in NHL history as well. So I got to give major props to her. Um, I don't know what she did before then, but it's good that, you know, that they're diversifying their hockey operations because, like, obviously she's qualified and 
and uh, deserves to kind of be higher up in, in hockey ops offices. So this is kind of like the paving the way for other hirings like this that occur. Like I know Montreal is looking for a few AGMs. They may hire um, some women as well. I know their uh, their new communications is a is a Chantel Maccabee, who used to write for RDS and like cover use the do the media for Montreal. So that that's good that this is kind of paving the way for that. Yep. Yeah, I totally agree. It's a, you know perfect time to do it um, with hockey. You know the COVID stuff still learning around the NHL. It's a perfect time for you know new faces to get around the league, so we can obviously see them and see their work. Uh, don't think this is a PR hire at all because why do you need to do that? Why do you need to please anyone? It's a hire that you need if she's a qualified for the job. Sure, she qualified. Like, it's not something I think the Vancouver Canucks were looking, oh, we need to do this. We need to be looked at. We need to be do the, do the first thing. No, like, if she's, she's obviously hired for a reason. She's going to do a good job there. And, you know, however long she lasts, hopefully a good job is done for the Vancouver Canucks. They're an up-and-coming team with some young players, so they got to get going and kind of win some games here. But solid by the Canucks. Like to see some moves from them. Uh, but we've been waiting for the Canucks to basically, I guess, fill out their quote-unquote roster up in the management staff. So uh, glad the Vancouver Canucks have done that. That's all the major news. Now we get into what we talked about at the start of the episode with the trade deadline not looming for a while, but trade rumors looming for the last couple of weeks. Uh, the Rangers, Panthers, and Bruins are in on Jacob Chikorin, uh, who carries, I think, another four or six years. I think it's four years. At like $4.1 million. This would be an awesome uh, guy to trade for, especially that he's down in the dumps right now in Arizona. He's not getting the points that he was last year uh, when he was with Oliver Ekman Larson, even though Oliver Ekman Larson still, is still really bad. Um, but Jacob Chickering, like he, oh. there, there's a lot of teams who are very interested in a lot of good teams that I think would very well – uh, suit Jacob Checker on their team but your thoughts on this uh, trade rumor goes on and what team would you see the best fit for this defenseman um th- that's a good question because like both all three of these teams are obviously eastern contenders two of them in the Atlantic and then yep. we kind of had talked in our group chat like what would the Leafs realistically need to give up to kind of get him I think he does have four years left at like just over four million and it's weird because like it's not like the guy's like 26 27 and like, oh, like he's been there so long. Like the guy's like 23. Like he, they could still realistically build around him because he's young enough for that. But like, I guess they're getting some serious offers have already been put on the table. Um, just based on these three teams here and what they could offer and what Arizona might be looking for, I would say the Rangers solely on the fact that they have two young players who we always roast in our group chat that could interest the Arizona Coyotes, those being Lafreniere and Kako. Maybe you can put in Keandre Miller in there as well, as someone that can entice them. Because they do have their – I don't know how other GMs and other teams kind of view those three players now because obviously Lafreniere's number one overall pick hasn't played like it. Kako, number two, not even close to playing like it. So maybe the Rangers, if Arizona still kind of believes, hey, like, Lafreniere like we could get the most out of him still if we got more guys coming up or whatever it is and if the Panthers were to get him mm-hmm. they I think they, they might have to give up someone like Lindell which I don't know that they would do or I don't know like Bruins they don't have any good prospects so I don't see him going to Boston um so I would say the Rangers out of those three might be the most intriguing to watch yeah that's what I was gonna say the Rangers uh they're clearly in a win now mode uh, it was a quick, very quick turnaround from the New York Rangers to start being competitive. And adding a guy like this on your blue line would help. You're having one of the – he's having a really good year. Jacob Truba, underratedly, is having a very good year. Um, and then you obviously have Adam Fox, who's going to be one of the best defensemen in the future. But the Bruins are an enticing team because they have been in on so many, like, on-the-market defensemen for years now. The first was Oliver ekman Larson. The next, I, I forgot what it, who it was. It might have been Petrangelo. It was kind of be, going to be a swap with Krug and Petrangelo. That was the up there. Oh and now Jacob Chikorin. So they're really swinging for defensemen, the, the fences here. And that worries me because 
they might get stupid with one of these trades. Um, Even if it's not for chicken, if it's for a defenseman of, you know, a lesser caliber, but they might get really stupid with these picks and players that they might trade away because they've been keen on a defenseman like for a long time. That's a good two-way guy. But I see the New York Rangers as the best fit, whether they're going to give up the players that they would ask for Arizona. I don't know. But if I'm Arizona, I am trading this guy's ass because people are going to be desperate at the deadline. And you need picks and prospects to like round your team for the future. So Jacob Chickren's yeah. young. He's young, but mm-hmm. and if his value is high, you have to consider moving this guy. Yeah, I agree. We also have breaking news here. So Aaron Dell has been suspended three games. That's pretty pretty good. Pretty reasonable. Like yeah, pretty reasonable. Like we all said, we both said like one to two max, and then he got three. So. Breaking news now, Aaron Dell, three games suspended for elbowing Batherson. Uh, so that wraps up the Chikrin talk for now. And then the next kind, this has all been like the last few days for this player here that I've at least paid attention to. And that's Marc-Andre Fleury. So obviously the Blackhawks, they did so much retooling in the offseason. It hasn't really worked out. They're kind of like, they're out of the playoffs. They're not really, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs at all. <laughs> so Fleury obviously is, is an expiring free agent. He was going to contemplate retiring going into this year. He's still really good, if he, especially if he plays goes to a good team. But so far, these three teams that have interest are the Washington Capitals of all teams, who have two capable goalies, or at least one right now, the Edmonton Oilers, who have no goalie. And for some reason, the Colorado Avalanche, who gave up a ton to get Darcy Kemper last offseason, with Pavel Francis, who's been playing really well this year for the first time, staying healthy for the first mm-hmm. time in like two years. Yeah. So the only one that makes sense here to me is the Oilers. Yeah. Like, what would be the price tag for Flurry right now? Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. Like, he's playing on a Blackhawks team at the start of the year where his numbers were impounded. So that has to affect something about this trade. The Oilers, we just know they're going to get very stupid with this one if they actually move for Marc-Andre Flurry. We just know. Uh, it's desperation mode for their team and net, and why not go out and get Mark Andre Fleury, who apparently has a big uh, big tag uh, attached to him. Don't know what it is. If it's a first, that's embarrassing. Um, I know the Chicago it Blackhawks is. won a first, but like a few games, Mark Andre Fleury, like like th- th- that shouldn't be the worry for those two teams, especially the Capitals and the uh, Colorado Avalanche. You need depth pieces. You need scoring. Like. You don't need you don't need thirty seven year old Mark Andre Fleury when you have especially with the Capitals. I just don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get that one at all. But yeah, it's weird. Like Mark Andre Fleury will be a hot commodity uh, come trade deadline day. Like awesome for the Blackhawks getting you know picks prospects if they can uh, from teams considering they got them for free. And would you did you like I don't know like obviously we both envisioned the Blackhawks to be a bit better. You did because you had it in the playoffs. I did because I, you know, expected them to kind of put up a fight. But is this something like Chicago looked down the line and said, holy shit, like if Mark Andre Fleury plays good and we're bad, we can move this guy for a lot of picks. I assume that's what they had to think. Maybe. Maybe they thought that they could sneak into the playoffs because obviously they traded for Seth Jones, paid a <laughs> massive price, gave him a massive contract. So I feel like they thought that like, hey, like we'll get him and we'll be competitive and make the playoffs this year. Maybe it had something to do with lost revenue. Who knows? Like sometimes teams do that, especially during COVID, where they just go all in just so they can make playoffs to get some income for the right. team. Um, and try to just maximize as many years as Kane and Taze they have left because Taze came back and all that, but it hasn't really worked out for them. Um, but like for Flurry, like the Oilers, I think <laughs> probably will try to at least make an offer for Flurry. He's definitely not worth the first. Impossible. Like, if they get a first, then whoever the new GM is in Chicago should be, like, already the, the statue, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I could see the Oilers a lot. I don't know what other teams would be looking for goalies. I mean, all the contenders have their goalie. So, yeah, that's I true. don't know. And, like, just the word Marc-Andre Fleury is enticing for most teams, right? Like, it's, it's a sellable word, like, He's in the Hockey Hall of Fame when his, his career ends. And you don't know – like, the thing about Flurry is now you don't know what goal you're expecting. Like, you don't know if you're getting 40 save Flurry, or you don't know if you're getting 20 shots, five goals against Flurry, because that's what Chicago's been this year. He's been able to stand on his head. 
but then he's also been able to let in five goals on 20 shots. So uh, if you're a good team, you got to be very, very worrisome about that and what you're going to be giving up to get that. Yeah. Um, so the next target that we have here is is something that at the beginning of this year, I don't think both of us thought would, would essentially happen based on the offseason that the Flyers had, getting Ellis, even though Ristolainen sucks, getting him, getting a backup for Carter Hart, you know, kind of moving off uh, from uh, Jake Borachek. Like all these things were essentially a ritual for the Flyers, and they've been the worst team in the league the last month and a half. They've lost 13 straight games. So now Captain Claude Giroux, who's a UFA, uh, is drawing interest from a lot of contenders like the Avs, the Leafs, and the Predators that we have here. There's probably a lot more teams that are in, in on him too, just based on where the Flyers are at, what Giroux can provide still. He's, been, he's had a solid year uh, just based on how bad Philly's been overall. Um, so um, just looking at kind of like these teams here, the Avs, if, if the Avs move for Giroux, they would be going all in. That's the definition of all in because they would have to pay like a lot to get him because he's still a really good player. The Leafs would have to also pay a lot to get him because they're trading them in conference. I don't know if Philly would trade him in the conference. If they were to trade him, I could see a Western conference team. And then the Preds are interesting because no one thought they'd be good this year. And they're like near the top of the central division. I think they're second. And obviously their weakness is scoring because Saros is standing on his head and Yossi's having another Norris caliber season. Um, so Drew is really interesting because like if they were to trade him right at the deadline, he would have played 999 games for the Flyers and not hit the 1,000 mark. And he has a no-move clause as well. So it's up to him whether he goes or not. So based on these teams here, what do you think is going to happen with Drew? I don't know. Um the one thing I hope they do is trade them. Like you got to focus on this retool, rebuild, whatever you want to call it for the Flyers. Like he is going to get you the most picks and prospects. It could be so stupid, Joe. Like it can be like Claude Giroux is good, but it can get ridiculous. It could be two first and a prospect. Like I would not be surprised if a team goes out there and does that. Like, I'm not saying the Leafs would because they, they know what they're getting themselves into. It's probably a rental for them. Other teams, though, with some cap hit, they can maybe sign them to a one-year, two-year extension after that. But ultimately, I see Claude Drew as a rental in my eyes. But the Flyers, man, you have to really consider training this player. And they definitely are. There's rumors out there. Like, there won't be rumors if you're not considering it. Um, out of those three teams, those are the three rumor teams. I see the Preds getting him. Uh David Poyle has always been a guy who, if they're in the hunt, they're going to acquire. And Claude Giroux would be a great piece. They have Matt Duchesne doing very well. Ryan Johansson doing very well. Philip Forsberg, go down the list. Their defenseman doing their, their goalie doing well. It's all going right for them. And adding Claude Giroux would just be a menacing target against other teams in that division and that conference. If Nashville gets in a wild card and matches up with um a vegas uh, and edmonton they have a chance in that series if with claude drew on their team like even against yeah, their own own division like colorado they have a chance against colorado like we've seen what colorado does in the playoffs kind of fart and you know nashville is one of those teams where if they get all going like we've seen them put up a fight with carolina last year and it'd be pretty cool to see claude drew in the the gold over there yeah i mean they already have a goalie that could steal games because soros was literally unbelievable in that first round versus Carolina, yeah. even though they lost, like I think two or three games went to like double OT and he was the reason why. Yeah. So they have a goalie that could steal games. If they could just have another, you know, game breaking talent or elite player like Giroux, like that would, that can provide an upset. Like you said, like Colorado, they struggle at scoring in the second round that I've seen the last couple of years. Like they cannot score in the second round, like versus Vegas, other than that game one, they scored like eight, they were like basically shut out the rest of the series. So, yeah, you never like the playoffs is the weirdest thing we've seen year after year. Anything could happen. And if you could get hands on Claude Drew, can make things happen, go and do that for any team that's wanting to trade for him. Uh, your boy Ben Sherratt, he's been in the news recently, drawing interest from the Flames, Panthers, and Blues. Uh, Panthers are in a lot of guys who can play that two way game very grittingly. Um, Flames would be the dumbest team to ever trade for Ben Schrott. They have three guys like him. Doesn't make sense. 
the Blues, I don't know. They have guys like him too. Just I think it would be very solid for them to get him against teams like Colorado, Nashville, like we just mentioned, their division going up against. Uh, the Panthers would be a weird one. In division, um, they have players like him as well. But I, I, I see these teams getting depth, like I, I depth scoring. Like I can't see these teams who are already good, pretty good defensively going after a defensive defenseman like Ben Schrott. I don't know what you see, but. Um, I, out of those three teams listed, I would say like maybe the Blues would be the most logical fit. Because like you said, the Flames have like three of the Ben Schrott's on their team. The Panthers, like, I don't see them trading in division, even though Montreal is, like, trying to, like, tank, basically. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like, they already have, like, Brad Kogudis, who's kind of like Sherrod. Obviously, doesn't handle the puck really as much like Sherrod. More of, like, just pure hitting. And then the Blues, like, Montreal and the Blues have had made, like, a couple <laughs> yeah. of trades like this. Like, Marco <laughs> Scandella, where yep. they absolutely stole two seconds off of, <laughs> off of, like, 10 games of Scandella a few years ago. But I think the Blues, like, they, I think they, they're having trouble in their bottom of their bottom six. They've had, like, a lot of rotating D there. Like, they had that, that college guy that came up, and he has been, like, in and out of the lineup. I think they want stability there. And they already have a big guy like Pareko. They already got, like, they have an offensive guy in Falk. I mean, not Falk, uh, Krug. So maybe adding another defensive defenseman could help them upset in the playoffs because, like, they already they know that they could they could score like St. Louis could score. Um, guys like Kairu Buchnevich have been really good this year. Uh, Robert Thomas, Tarasenko, Riley, all those guys have been good. So I think they might want to add a depth defenseman. Shirai, I don't know what his value is. I always joke in the chat that he's getting it first. He like will, Savard, man. He will. Because David Savard got a first last year to go to Tampa. So I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I'm, and like, I'm not saying I, I like Ben Trot as a defensive. Like I truly do like him. A first would be so bad for like, like uh, Montreal soak it in, soak it in that first. The other team, not so much, even though if, you know, if you can't go on a run, but uh, Ben Trot, yeah, he's been in the news recently. A lot of guys, hopefully by next episode, we have a bunch of other guys, you know, being rumored to be traded. I know Nick Ritchie, yeah. Pierre Engvall to be two of them on the Maple Leafs roster. I don't know about the Montreal roster. I've heard of Terry Lekkinen, uh, Joel Armia, but that's pretty much it from them. Uh, so that's it for now. So let's get into some quick news here. So as of yesterday, we have a new Ironman streak in the NHL. His name is Song Keith Yandel of the awful Philadelphia Flyers. So he officially broke the Ironman streak. He broke Doug Jarvis's record 965 games in a row, which is just incredible without getting injured. Even though, like, last year, I remember we were debating Kazoo might have gotten scratched by Quinville at the start of last year. But then, obviously, they care about the streak. So, he has the streak officially now. I mean, he's not good anymore. It was just more to get this the record this year. And then another guy that's coming, that's all that's uh, surprisingly coming up the rear is Phil Kessel, the Coyotes. Mm-hmm. He's second all-time at 940. So, if he basically plays the rest of this year, he'll also – break Doug Jarvis and become like second all time whenever Yando retires or whatever is going to happen. Cause all these, both these guys are not young anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see what happens, but that's a pretty cool achievement by a, a pretty unlikely player. Yeah, no, it's like a pretty unlikely position. Like you, you get a shot off the ankle, you get a slash, like he hasn't missed one, like one game. That's the most, most impressive style. I think I've seen uh, in a row like that is, that's the longevity of something of a defenseman like that. Like it's, it's pretty crazy to see. Um, but a, a defenseman who hasn't had luck with good luck with injuries, Eric Carlson, he's out again uh, till mid March with a forearm surgery. So first was the foot. It was the other foot. Now it's an arm. Like we're seeing one of the best defensemen of our generation, Joe, just go down with injuries. Like it's not even play it's injuries. I know, yeah. It's like you said, the forearm injury surgery. He was having a pretty good bounce back year um, with San Jose. The whole team's kind of had a big bounce back, like Brent Burns as well, and then Timo Myers having a great year, like we talked about last week. Um, but yeah, uh, it sucks for Carlson because obviously he has so many years left and so much money left on his deal. He was having a good year, and now he's basically out for two months. Like it just sucks for this guy. Yeah, 
Eric Carlson, one of the best defensemen of our generation, is just going down in shambles with injuries. Um, Ryan Ellis and Katria, we probably should have mentioned them when we were talking about the Flyers, but they are done, potentially done for the season. I think that's what Chuck Fletcher might have said today. I don't know if you, where you heard that, Joe, but yeah, um, pretty devastating. Like getting a guy with um, a pretty good guy and Ryan Ellis on your back end is just out. Like he's been in and out of the lineup, then he was out for a long time out for another long time and then extended. And now that it's going to be potentially for the rest of the season, um, you were looking forward to a guy like this in your lineup for two ways of stability on that back end. And, you know, with the flyers changing heart, are they going for it? Are they going to rebuild retool? This is a guy who's just, just stuck in no man's land because he's a guy who can help you win. And if you're not able to do that next year, when compiling picks for certain players, like a Claude Giroux, I don't know if he fits in your lineup next year, but uh, Flyers have been just decimated this year and last year, so don't know what to think of them. Actually, we do. It's just rebuild or retool yeah. something with that team. Um, yeah. It's just it's just not good right now. Like, it's just – you need to get stuff done. You need to rebuild, stick to it. Yeah, like, like they're kind of like Montreal in the sense that they haven't had a real rebuild. Like, if you think of the Flyers in your life, have they had an actual rebuild? Mm-hmm. No, like they went to the cup final in 2010. They had like a lot of guys that were younger, a lot of guys that were older, like Pronger, you know, those guys were there. And then like they had like Giroud, Voracek. I wouldn't call that a rebuild, but like they were like in their early 20s, mid 20s. They had JVR for a few years. Um, they had um, Braden Shen for a few years, like guys like that. Like they just kept rotating pieces out but they never fully rebuilt, even though they kept like failing in the playoffs or not even making the playoffs. Like I don't remember the last time the Flyers like did a legit rebuild, like similar to Montreal in that sense. Like they've never done one. So they have Carter Hart. I don't know what he is anymore. Like I I don't know how good he could be. Obviously they're, they're a terrible team and he, he plays a part in it. Okay. He doesn't play, he doesn't get all the blame obviously, but they just they got to figure it out over there because mm-hmm. they've never done a rebuild and I think it might be time to just tear it all down because none of it's worked. Yeah, and I think I mentioned on this podcast before. Flyers fans aren't the happiest fans, and they're not the the fans who agree with management. So I wonder what happens there. But uh, Pennsylvania team, another one. Jeff Carter, two years, six point two five million dollar contract extension that equals to three point one two million dollars per season. Uh, for Jeff Carter, he has been very good this year, very good last year. Don't know what the future holds for Jeff Carter. Um, I don't know if it's a good one, but he seems to be playing very well. Like, he can still move. He can still play. Just don't know if that's the case in two years. And also, Brian Rust, uh, Crystal Tang, and Evgeny Malkin are up next year. I don't know if that's the first guy I would have signed if I were the Pittsburgh Penguins with Brian Burke and uh, who is the guy? Ron Hextall. Ron Hextall. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if that would these this be the guy I would resign, but yeah, um, like with with the Carter deal, like the guy just turned thirty seven, I think, and you're already giving him a two year deal. Like, if anything, take him like a year at a time. the The price tag isn't like horrible, but it's more so the two years. And like, like you, like we're kind of saying before we started recording, like next year it could look bad. This contract already before it, like just when it kicks in, and then how about it two years from now? So, not sure if it was the smartest move to get Carter resigned right away. He could have waited to the off season, because it's not like you're trading him because you're like a contender, like you always are for the last like 15 years. So, I don't know. Just kind of weird. They have a lot of guys like you said that need to be resigned. Um, what their kind of their window is now all like half their team is like not half like their main guys are mid 30s still obviously doing amazing this year but like how many like for example Latang Malkin how many years more do you extend them do you extend them to whenever Crosby's contract retires or expires so in like three four years I don't know um going on to our next segment here so this is the main part of the episode even though we've, we've kind of been recording for a while now it's the award segment so this is basically at the midway point just under for some teams just over for some other teams because of COVID postponements. But this is basically the halfway point of the year. We have the Art Ross, the Hart, the Rocket, the Selkie, the Norris, Vesna, Calder, Jack Adams. And I also 
we don't have it in the notes here, but do you want to put the Jim Gregory right now? I mean, it's kind of tough to do because, I mean, no, I don't think we should do it because, like, that's an end-of-the-year award because, like, a lot of GMs get made at the trade deadline or get killed at the trade deadline, so we'll exclude that one. So, obviously, first we have the Art Ross Trophy. This one's self-explanatory, so it's the most points. Whoever finishes with the most points at the end of the season wins the Art Ross. So for my three, we both have the exact same three in the exact same order. So we have McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Huberto. Um, the first two are self-explanatory. Two of the best, two of the top five players in the league. McDavid is the best player in the league. And then Jonathan Huberto, who's having the best season of his career on the first place Florida Panthers team. He's been unbelievable. Definitely a contender for the heart, which we'll talk about shortly. But um, he's been nothing short of sensational. He's also due for a contract, not this offseason, but next offseason, I believe. He's got one year after this. So, and he's on a bargain, like 5.8 or something like that. So, Huberdo, so again, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Huberdo are the top three for Art Ross for both of us. So, you could kind of elaborate on your picks if you want as well. Yeah, no, same order, same thing. David continues to be the best point scorer in the National Hockey League, along with his, his teammate Drysdale. Russo likes to call them the power play merchants. I don't know that it's kind of true now, but like they're still getting points. They still put up a number of points that is exceeding most of the league. Uh, it's in the 100 numbers, uh, always year after year together. And then, like you said, Jonathan Huberto, man, like he continues to be one of these players who's underrated. But after this year, it's not going to be the case anymore that he is underrated because he could be in this conversation. We see him in the conversation, obviously, in the winning, uh, getting third place in this Art Ross Trophy race. He has been incredible for that team. Like, I thought a few years ago, Alex Barkov was the best player on the Florida Panthers. There's no question about it. No one will pass him. Hubert was made himself a very good nominee for that spot of Florida. He is very good. And we should go to the next award because he has evolved with that one for the heart. But there's one guy who's in number one spot for both of us. And that is the great eight who is the number one spot for both of us. Um, Continues, like not even continues. Who would have thought this guy was going to be number one in heart or just crossing your mind of the heart trophy this year with the amount of goals and points he is scoring uh, this year. I didn't think so after the contract extension in the, in the summer. Um, you know, he is like, you, you could say what all you want, you know, are they going to win? Is the Capitals going to win? But this guy just keeps winning. Like he doesn't stop moving and he's going to another all-star game. He deserves it. He's the captain there. And he still gets recognition around the NHL and he's not going away anytime soon. McDavid exists. Matthews exists. McKinnon exists. All these young players have kind of come through the NHL ranks but the old guy, Alex Ovechkin, continues to be that guy in the conversation for the best goal scorer in the league. And there's no question about it for me. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like, you, everyone on this podcast knows, all the, everyone who listens, though, he's my favorite player of all time. And, like, the fact that he's got basically, well, he's not there yet, but 30 goals, 30 assists, basically almost leading the league in points as well, which is just amazing, just over the halfway point of the year. He, he might, he'll probably slow down realistically. Um, but he still will probably he if he as long as he doesn't get hurt and whatever he'll hit 50 like there's um, unless he literally like stops doing anything he'll hit 50 this year at 36 years old um, again like I have him one as well I have Huberto too but I, for for my third pick you have McDavid that you've highlighted I I'm gonna go with Kaprizov I'm a little tired of having McDavid in the heart conversation due to the fact that especially this year, Edmonton's not good. And he's been, him and his boy, Leon, have been pissy uh, lately. Um, I think other guys deserve it right now. Like, obviously, those, like, if McDavid dry settled, Edmonton would be worse than Montreal without them, obviously. But, like, they've already won it multiple times. They've won it three straight years, uh, just those two guys. So, um, I think it's time for, like, a different change. Like, everyone in the league, I think, would love if Ovi were to win the heart this, at this stage of his career, chasing Gretzky, scoring probably 50 goals. It'd be just an unbelievable story. And then Huberdeau's got to be right up there. Like you said, mm-hmm. he's basically on par with Barkov for the best player on the team. And then Kaprasov, like, ever since he stepped into the league, the Wild have been entertaining to watch. They've been good. 
they have a huge culture reset bought brought by you know Dean Evanson and Bill Guerin, the GM. Everyone's kind of bought in. They play really fast. So I have him at the third spot. Yeah, we can move on to the Rocket where OV is in that conversation as well at the number one spot. Winning the Rocket, I have him. Matthews, dry settle. You have the exact same thing. Reasoning, OV's good. Matthews is good. <laughs> and dry settle, power play merchant, right? <laughs> yes. Drysaddle is the biggest power play merchant, which is something that we used to call Ovi back in the day. But Ovi scores a lot of goals, even strength now. He's rounding out his game at 36. But, like, I think I think I have Ovechkin 1, Matthews 2, Drysaddle 3. But I could see Matthews winning it because he's only four goals behind. I think four goals like behind, that, yeah. I think, with a few games in hand. So I could see him winning it going back-to-back. But Obi has a little bit of a lead now, so I'll put him one for now. If he keeps scoring at this rate, which may or may not happen, he'll hit like almost 60, which is messed up. So we have the exact same list. We can move on to the Selkie. So Selkie is the best defensive forward. So this is where our lists our list differ uh, a little bit. So I'll go first. So I have Barkoff one. Not really – I don't have too much of a strong reason why I have him one. More so on the fact based on precedent and like the fact that Florida's first in the league, um, he's doing really well. Not not amazing offensively as other years, but it, like goal scoring wise, he's scoring more goals than than usual rather than like assists and points. So I, I'll have him one because he's on the he's still a great defensive player on the best team in the league. I have Matthews two similar kind of thing. Obviously scoring a ton of goals. I have Bergeron three because I think I saw some advanced stats where he is having one of his He's having the better defensive season that he's had in the last four years this year. Even though, like, he only has, like, 30 points, which is still pretty good for his age. Based on the last couple of years, like, the the, the, the points and stuff is a little bit lower. But I think I saw it's, like, his defense is, like, at or above, like, the last three or four years, which is amazing. And then his face-off percentage is better than the last two years, I think hmm. I saw. I don't remember where I saw it, but I'm like, okay, I have to put him three. So that's my list right now for the top three. Yeah. My number one uh, guy on this list is a winger. I really, I honestly don't think he's going to win it, but I just want to see a winger win it for once. Like I want a little bit of a change, but Mark Stone is my guy. Like he's one of my favorite players to watch just because of his defensibility ability. Um, He's missed a ton of games, but he leads the forwards in takeaways this year, which I think is a pretty impressive because Mark Stone isn't having the greatest of years as over a point per game. But it's not a Mark Stone-ish season with the Vegas Golden Knights. A lot of players have been in and out. But he, he still leads the league in takeaways, which is pretty incredible, the amount of games he's missed with COVID and injury. Uh, Matthews, self-explanatory. It, it's self-explanatory, and it's weird because it's one of those guys you don't know for his defensive game. And obviously, because he scores goals, he scores a lot of them. He scores points. He's the Leafs' best player. And that's this defensive game gets overlooked a lot, but... When you watch him, and you can cheat this too. Like, you can be like a fan of a team who has a very good defensive player and can say, hey, he could be up for the Selkie. But Matthews is one of those guys, like, he's very underrated defensively. He wins a lot of faceoffs, he gets a lot of takeaways, he gets a lot of stick lifts, and they turn into offensive opportunities. The only thing that will knock him down is he doesn't play in his defensive zone enough because he's always in the offensive zone, getting cycles, getting points, getting goals. So I don't think he'll win it either. I just put him there for the sake of putting someone. I do think my number three guy, though, Alex Zabarkov, will win the uh, Selkie Trophy back-to-back years. He's incredible. He's the reason Florida Panthers can defend very well on the forward group. They have a lot of two-way forwards, and he's influenced them all strongly. Has to do with coaching as well. But Alex Barkov continues to be one of the league's best defensive uh, forwards there. So Stone, Matthews, Barkov, Barkov, Matthews, Bergeron for you. We can now move on to the Norris Trophy, where... We basically have the same list. I have Makar, Fox, Hedman, uh, but you can go with your list because you have a bit of a change from two or three. Yeah, so I have Makar one. I think this is clear cut this year. I think Makar would have won it last year easily if he played more games because he was a point per game and 44 games had 44 points. So he would have won it last year anyways if he stayed healthy. This year he's mostly healthy. He's been unbelievable, especially scoring goals on the back end. I have Yossi at two just for the fact that He's also has like 40 points and Nashville has been really surprising. And he's like the, other than Soros, he's the best player on the team. Like that drives the team. Like he's the captain, plays a lot. 
gets a lot of points, is very good defensively, won the Norris two years ago. So obviously he's got credentials there. And then I have like a literally a tie at three with Fox and Hedman. Fox just won it last year. Um, he could still win it. He's still like really good this year. I'd have him too, but I just have Yossi there just because the team is more surprising than the Rangers being good because I think we're going to talk about another player that's the main MVP of the Rangers this year. Um, and then Hedman's had a really good bounce back year. Um, last year we had a lot of conversation of why everyone was hating on him because like his advanced stats weren't as good. Well, they're now back to Norris level. So he's got to be in that conversation. So I literally have him tied with Fox. I couldn't, I couldn't pick. All four of these guys are unbelievable this year. And you could throw in Aaron Eckblad in there too. Yeah, too many defensemen to go around that have been having great seasons, Norse caliber seasons for sure. McCarr continues to be the best defenseman in the NHL. Don't at me, but he is. Uh, Adam Fox continues to be the second best. <laughs> and then uh, Victor Hedman, our boy, he's the third best for me. Romeo also got the snub. Doesn't at all deserve the snub, but you can only pick three. And Victor Hedman got the final spot on my list. We can go to the Vezina Trophy. It was a tight one as well, but we had the same three goalies and the same exact list. Shosturkin, Saros, Vashlevsky. Now, I think we can both agree on that. Vashlevsky is the best goalie in the NHL, but he's not the best goalie in the NHL this season. That is Igor Shosturkin, who is carrying the New York Rangers two wins. Craziest stat I've seen, 9-0 in his last home nine in his last nine home games. Like... And as the goals against average is less than one. Crazy to me that this guy is doing this when we were talking about a, I don't think it would be a bad contract. It'd be an, I don't know if I would call undeserved either, but it'd be a kind of a wow contract we saw given from the New York Rangers to him. And he's, he's, he's lived up to that, man. Like he's been very good this year. It helps to have goal scorers that, you know, bail you out of games, but that's not the case this year with Shesterkin. He's bailing them out of games with the amount of saves he's making. And then the biggest snub this year, I think, is going to be UC Saros because he's carrying that team as well, like the new Nashville Predators. He makes over 35 saves a game, and he will not be winning this award at the end of the year because another goal is just doing it better. Yeah, like, Shesterkin's been unbelievable. Like you said, the contract, like, at the time, because they missed the playoffs, and then he immediately got, like, four times like just over five and a half I think so it was more so like okay like they missed the playoffs though like and he got this like I understand like you could have like and then like can and you look at like someone like Sorokin who got four million so like a million and a half less but we all know that Shesterkin's better now so it was a good contract for the Rangers now it looks bad on them because they didn't give him eight years if anything because the guy might be making 11 million by the end of this contract who knows um, but yeah, Shosturkin, I have one as well. Saros two, Vasilevsky three. Like you said, Vasilevsky is the best goalie overall, but this season Shosturkin's been by far their MVP. Like, like you said, that stat nine and oh in the last nine home games, less than two goals against the guy's record is like, like 24 and two. Like he's lost like six games out of 26 and two of them were not in regulation. So like, he's the reason why the Rangers are so good. Obviously, you have Panarin's, Abinijad, Kreider's on roids this year with 30 goals. Yeah. But with the, they, the Rangers give up a lot of shots. So, like, that's all Shesterkin on how they win games. They give up a lot of chances, a lot of shots, and he's back there to make all the saves. And then, obviously, Saros, too. He's been unbelievable for Nashville. Vasilevsky's in there every year for the past four years. So, he's, he's like the – they should rename the trophy almost at this rate. Yeah, incredible um, seasons the next we're seeing as well. Here, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the next trophy we can go into here is the Calder. So this is the best rookie. This one was kind of tough to, to nail down because it has changed a little bit the last couple of weeks, last couple of months from the start of the year. But we do have the exact same list. So I have Moritz Sider of the Red Wings, Trevor Zegers of the Ducks, and then Anton Lindell of the Florida Panthers. So Sider, I remember a few years ago, was selected sixth overall. No one knew who he was. He was a defenseman, a German defenseman. Everyone's like, who drafts a German defenseman mm -hmm. in the top ten? Like, usually they're, they're usually not, like, too good or development. But Yeiserman, like he did with Tampa when he was their GM, nailing all the picks that he needed to make. Sider is only 20. He leads the team in ice time. He's basically almost a point per game as a defenseman. He plays PP, PK. He has a lot of shorthanded points. 
that I have because I'm in fantasy. He's been really good. And just his poise with the puck, his skating, is just amazing for a 20-year-old defenseman rookie. Mm-hmm. And like I said, he's al- he's like almost leading the rookie points leader. So I have him there. Zegris has been really good for Anaheim too. He had COVID, I think. He missed a few weeks. Um, but he is a special type of talent. He had obviously the play of the year so far with that assist to Sonny Milano against Buffalo about a month ago. And then Anton Lindell, a good surprise for Florida. He was selected pretty high, I think. Yeah. I think it was 10th overall, maybe. Yeah, so he was 10th. And then he had a great World Juniors last year as the captain of the Finland team. And he's he's he was like the Barkov 2.0, like Finnish, big center, strong two-way game. But he has 25 or 26 points. So he's been really impressive for a very good Florida team. So right now, those are our rankings. You could build onto your picks as well. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty impressive to see a German defenseman like Moritz Seider develop and play as well as he is on a bad Detroit team. Because, like, it's hard for players that are playing on bad teams to stand out, and it's even harder to do that as a defenseman uh, for a bad team. But he keeps doing it. Like, it's just crazy how, how Stevie Y is able to develop what you thought was going to be nothing into something. Like, it's just very incredible what he does. Uh, you saw that in Tampa with a bunch of players, but Moritz Sider was a high pick, not the pick I would expect them to make at the time, but it's turned out very well for them. Trevor Zegers, one of the most exciting players in the NHL this season. There's no question about it. Uh, then Anton Lindell, like he has been very good for the Florida Panthers. Now, like I said before with the Barkov, uh, it's, you know, it's stretching out to the whole team. You got to be good two way. And he is good two way. Like this is, this is the Alexander Barkov 2.0 they have on their team and Anton Lindell. Um, I don't know if you want two of those guys in your team. It's definitely helpful. But Anton Lindell continues to be his good play. He hit the double-digit mark, I believe, last night with 10 goals. Uh, so he continues to be in that conversation. There's a lot more players that really deserve to be in this conversation as well. We're missing out on the leading scorer in rookie scoring, uh, Lucas Raymond here. It's, he just slowed down so much. And I think when you look at the other players, they've been so more impressive than to just lead the rookies in points that they're there and they deserve to be there for me at least. Like you're seeing Sider do stuff, you're doing Seagrass do stuff, and you're seeing Anton Lindell being a good, legitimate piece on that Florida team when they already have at least eight of them ahead of him in the lineup, right? So for me, it's those three guys, but there's a lot of guys that kind of deserve to be on this list as well. Uh, I think that's it from the Calder. We could go to the Jack Adams, which starts with Florida again. <laughs> Andrew Burnett for me, uh, head coach of the year uh, so far. He's been able to take over for Joel Quenville very smoothly. And, you know, he's done that in a way that we didn't all think he might be because he's never been a head coach, right? So we didn't think that transition was going to be smoothly. I didn't, and it was. Um, Gerard Gallant definitely deserves some nods for being the first hire uh, with the New York Rangers this year. He's taking that team to a good level. And he had this in Vegas where he had flurry, good goaltending. And he's having, you're seeing the same thing with Igor Shosturkin. He's having good goaltending again. And he's helping that team with uh, coaching as well. And then Mike Sullivan, like, just a guy who chips in random ass players in the HL and they work. So he continues in the conversation year after year. Yeah. Um, for my picks, I, I have Sullivan one just because of that fact that you just mentioned that he throws in random ass players like Evan Rodriguez who turned into like McDavid for a, a month there while Crosby was out, Malkin was out, you know, Gensel missed some games. Like they, they always get hurt, COVID, whatever. They always have injuries. They always win. It just never ends. And they're not a young team at all anymore. And they don't have, like, any prospects really coming through. It's the same guys that they keep trotting out there um, in terms of, like, their core guys. They're not getting any younger. They're still really good players. Um, like Then you have, like, guys like Russ playing with Crosby Gensel, like, one of the most underrated lines in the league. Um, and just overcoming in year after year. And, like, the only – thing that they've kind of lost in the playoffs like the main reasons because of big goaltending and Yari's been spectacular this year I don't know if they got a new goalie coach but he's been really good uh second I had do have brunette like you said very impressive taking over straight from Quinville after that whole debacle with the Blackhawks he had to resign immediately um it is impressive for basically no head coach experience uh, the only reason I'll knock him down a bit is because they have a, a, a like a stacked team 
um, like you could credit like Bill Zito for getting like for re-signing Ben and Montour, getting Ryan Hart, um, you know, getting Duclair last year again. So like, and Bobrovsky having a big bounce back year. So those are the main pieces of Florida. And then getting Aaron Eckblad back from that gruesome ankle injury last year. Um, and then I have Jared Bednar at third because he gets no recognition. And Colorado is kind of like Pittsburgh in the sense where they have so many guys that are always on COVID, especially always on the COVID list or some guys that are out of the lineup for a few games. But they just, when they are buzzing, they'll score six goals like it's nothing. Like they can score like the best of them. Um, it is just like, I don't think he's won it yet. Um, I think they just need to, I don't know if he's won it. I think he was nominated a few times, but I would have him in the top three again. So now going on to the award segment, because this episode's getting a little long here, we do have the hard hat awards. So that's presented to the best player in the NHL over the past week of play. So I have my fantasy man for my hard hat, little jumbo Joe Pavelski of the Dallas Stars, who keeps defying age. You talk about Ovi defying age. This guy's been just as good on a, on a worse team, in my opinion. So Joe Pavelski, four games played the last week, three goals, seven assists, 10 points three power play points for a guy that's a UFA after this year. We have no clue what he's going to get. He, who knows? He might even get traded at the deadline because Dallas might not, might have to blow it up. They might miss out. They're kind of like in that middle tier. So I have Joe Pavelski for the hard hat. Yeah. We talked about it yesterday. Just the guy's the new Jumbo Joe. There's, there's no other nickname I would, I would give him, but he's been incredible this year. Um, Sidney Crosby is mine. He's been that good this year to come off a, a, an injury and come into the year with a Penguins team not doing as good, and now they're doing very good. Like, Sidney Crosby is the main piece of that team, and he always will be. And he's I think he has eight points in the last four games since we last recorded, which is crazy. Uh, Sidney Crosby continues to be that, you know, marquee player for this, this league and that team. So Sidney uh, Crosby gets the hard hat for me. Joe Pavelski for you. Now we go to the golden plunger. So flush the toilet. And a recurring team, a recurring team that is coming back to the golden plunger. The Philadelphia Flyers, we talked about them enough, like awful, like 13 straight games. I don't know if they were winning last night. They might have been winning once or twice against the Islanders. They ultimately lose that game. And I just I just don't get it. Like I don't know how you can be that bad. Like there's 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 worse like, rosters out there too. Way worse. Look at Montreal, look at Arizona. Montreal's playing their AHL team for like two and a half weeks at one point. Like and they did lose thirteen straight games. Like there's I don't know what the hell happened here in Philly. Like Remember two years ago, they were on that amazing hot streak, then COVID hit, then they went to the bubble, and they played, like, pretty well. And then, like, oh, yeah, this is a team, like a dark horse team yeah. next year. Mm-hmm. And they shit themselves and missed the playoffs, and then they're even worse this year. Like, I just don't understand it. So I, I do have them here again because it's just embarrassing. Yeah, so I, I, th- I think I originally started this thing off with the Flyers, and then you obviously picked them today. But my guy is – a guy who is supposed to be the Jets' number one defenseman, Neil Pionk. He has one point in the last 12 games of play for himself and the Jets. Um, that's just not like good enough for the number one defenseman you're supposed to be there. The Jets have quietly not, I don't know if the quietly is the word, but they've just tailed off recently. I've heard that from you from Hellebuck. He hasn't been as bad. good. But even the scoring wise, like Dubois continues to be the only guy. Um, who's the other guy you named today? Kyle Connor, Kyle Connor, and Pierre Luc Dubois, but those guys score goals. Like they, they score goals. They have random people passing them. They have Cole Perfetti. They have like Dominic Toninato. Like it's not Shifley. It's not Wheeler. It's not Ehlers. Ehlers is injured now. It's not the defenseman. It's these random plug-in guys like Andrew Kopp, Adam Lowry. Like they need their best players to start being better if they want to do some damage. This is a team I was really high on um, last year and this year. And they've just – all they've done is disappoint. All they've done is disappoint yeah. as well. They're, they're like the Flyers of the, the, the Canada. Yeah, very similar because, like, they have so much talent. 
if, and the only excuse you could maybe say is that Paul Maurice kind of retired suddenly True. and that kind of could have killed their like morale in the room and all that that because that, that came out of left field that whole thing because he started the year and then like two months in he just retired basically so that was really odd that might have messed them up a little bit but again like they have been really disappointing last year in the playoffs they got swept by it no they swept Edmonton but then they got mm. swept by Montreal yeah and then this year, like, Shifley Wheeler have been awful for, like, no reason, really. Like, they've yeah. had COVID here and there, but, like, like I don't know. They just they, – they're not impressive at all. Hellebuck, he lets in some bad goals. He makes, like – sometimes he makes a lot of saves, but then he lets in some shit goals. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's been, like – it's not been the Hellebuck of the last three years. So, I don't know what's going on with the Jets. Yeah, it's very weird what we're seeing there with the Jets. Um we can move on to what you say with Jason Derulo. What you say? Um, this one isn't really like a quote. It's just something that happened in the recently. Uh, that's the only thing I really found. Uh, Brad Marchand stealing a phone last week was pretty hilarious. Um, yeah, you can just hear the clip right now. We'll explain it after. Hey, you. Hey, what's up? This is BM63. Just walking off from uh, warm-ups. Hope, uh, I don't know whose phone this is, but... Uh... Hope you have a lot of fun tonight, because I know I'm going to. Anyways, gotta go. See ya. This guy continues to be one of the... I think the NHL should really market this guy more. I know he's, quote-unquote, a villain for the league. But ultimately, whenever Marshan is in something, you're going to watch it. Whenever Marshan says something, you're going to watch it. When Marshan does something like, like this, you're going to watch it. It's just yeah. Brad Marchand's show in the NHL right now. I love it. I love it. I know. I love how he always like breaks up. Like, it's like you guys are still screwing up the twenty percent escrow for the pay because of the COVID stoppage. <laughs> yeah, love it. When they got killed by by Carolina yeah. last week, he's a character, man, and he's such an amazing player too. Still, even in his mid thirties, almost like he's like probably top three left winger in the league. Yeah, you can make the argument, and you could definitely uh, put them in that conversation for sure. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And he's just been better since he turned 30. Like, kind of weird to say. Kind of like Bergeron, honestly. He plays on the same line. So we're going to go with, uh, transition to the Battle of the Buds here. So we both went 2-1 and one this week. Your record currently stands at 12-9, and nine, so getting a little bit better. And then mine is still at 18-3. and three. So I'm still kind of really ahead in the race by six games. Because um, I had, like, three weeks in a row where – I won three straight, but you're, you might start to catch up a little bit here. I do have a couple of coin flip games, so I'll go first. So I have Golden Knights at Panthers, which it would be a, a, just a sick, like, Stanley Cup final matchup once Vegas is fully healthy because they still have two players. Well, one that hasn't even suited up for them yet that will be a game changer for them. That's Jack Eichel, of course. Yep. Then, so that going back to this game, so I have the Panthers winning at home uh, tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow night. Uh, then I Bruins at Coyotes. So I have a slam dunk here on Friday. So the Bruins <laughs> winning that one, hopefully. And then Canucks at Flames is kind of a coin flip. So I have the Flames winning at home on January 29th. Yep. And then my games are as followed. The Ducks at Maple Leafs tonight. Well, it actually just started. <laughs> the game just started, so that's tonight. Uh, Flames at Blues January 27th. Flames absolutely shell-shocked the Blues Monday night, but the Blues are at home. Flames are coming off a of back-to-back. Hopefully the Blues can win there. And then I have the Oilers at the Canadians on a hockey day in Canada on January 29th. So that's versus your team. Oilers, I think they're going to go on a bit of a run here with the, you know, games they're going through. They had 50 shots last night. If there's no goalie standing on his head, the Edmonton Oilers could get through very easily. So I'll have the Oilers in that one. Nice. All right. I think we're good. I mean, do you have a spicy meatball? I do, okay. but it, so essentially we were already talking about trade rumors already Yep. and we talked about how the deadline should be moved up. So basically my spicy meatball is that Chikorin will be traded to an Eastern Conference contender before March. So three weeks before the right now actual trade deadline because teams will want to get them into the lineup so that it's not too late. For example, making the playoffs at the Rangers, they'll make that trade within the next few weeks. 
And it has to be specifically Chikorin, correct? Before March. Before March. Yes, Chikorin. Okay. Chikorin to an East team before March. So it's kind of specific, but it's, it's kind of spicy because, like, it could not happen at all this season. It could happen in the off season. Yeah, it's true. It could be a West team. It yeah, could be right at the deadline. Yeah, Russo says it's more of an off season thing. I, I, I would disagree with that, but I could see why it could be an off season thing because he's such a good player, and it could be a big haul, and teams might uh, get scared of that value once the trade deadline uh, comes closer. I'm gonna say no. But I wouldn't be surprised because we've seen year after year teams get stupid and we don't really see this big defenseman come in and get traded at the deadline. I know he's not having a good as of a season as we hope he would, but Jacob Chicken on a good team is pretty damn good. So I'm going to say no, but it might happen. It might happen. Yeah. Like I, like it could happen, but I don't know. Like, is a team desperate enough to go out? I know. That's what I mean. Yeah. Who would be that team? Um, I don't know. (laughs) No one knows. Whoever pays the price that Arizona's looking for. Exactly. All right. Um, I think that's it for this one, right? That's good. Yeah, it's been a long one. I mean, I think it's been an hour and a half on this episode. But I don't know what idea we have for next week. Um, You know, the Olympics is coming up. Maybe we should do a draft with Burning Leaf for Olympics if we really want to. I want to do it because they're so bad. Like, there's just the worst players. And it'd be so lucky for someone to win and actually pick players who score. But, yeah, I'd be down to do that if that's next episode. I don't know when it's coming close. But if there's enough news, if there's enough trades going around, we could talk about that next episode. But we'll see what happens. Um, Yeah, totally down for that draft if we could do it shit players but you know what i think that's the best part about drafts you don't know i I don't know what i'm doing but we'll see what happens hopefully okay (laughs) hopefully n10 will be back next week join us then Woo!